Hope Talk. As you can see, I have the very excited Christina Richer here with me today, and she is supercharged for this video podcast. Now, today's talk is about honouring the memory of our fathers, as here in, in the Southern Hemisphere, in Australia, we're actually celebrating Father's Day. And... I thought this could be a wonderful, wonderful way for us all to listen to one another's stories and perhaps we, we can become a part of someone else's father's life for a little while. And Christina, welcome. Thank you for inviting me, Rosa. <laughs> Yo, I'm actually really happy to have you here because I know you've got some great stories to tell about, about your father. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I'd actually like to ask, because yes. I love to know backgrounds. So where, do you, where does your father originate from? It's an interesting story. Yeah. My yeah. father was born in East Germany. One, oh, and wow. He was, he was around in World War II when he was okay. a kid. He had older brothers that went to the war. But he was too young. He's one of twins, one of a set of twins, and mm -hmm. they've both passed now, six months of each other. Like, just like a good old married couple. Oh, of course. And uh, when he was a kid, he, 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 he told me the story one day that he could remember white stuff coming down in the sky. And it wasn't snowing and it wasn't cold, but the white stuff was coming down. Mm. And where he lived in um, Saxony, Borna, which is his town, Leipzig is the closest capital city. Um, how far away was it? I think it was only an hour on the train mm -hmm. um, in Dresden. They had um, Buchenwalden concentration camp. So what he was actually experiencing was the ashes. Yeah. I that, had, I, that had I, floated down I, from I just, I just felt that. <laughs> yeah. So he was raised in a very, um, in, you could say in dark times, because, it, cause, you know, because of what was happening to his country and it would have affected um, his family. And um, he, he said to me one day, um, the house where they were, um, you know, the bomb went right just very very close to the house and if they hadn't had a cellar oh goodness the whole family would have died and how so, old was your father do you know roughly how old he was during yeah, that time he was about 12 <clears throat> a young a 10, young 12, boy so, so old enough to remember mm. everything but young enough to be deprived of a childhood you that's could say. actually that's actually pretty powerful and emotional as you actually um, shared that with, with me and with us here watching and listening. So he was 12. I missed World around War II. Time, yeah. yeah. So I just say a young teen around in, in East Germany around World War II and experienced what would have been, like you said, ashes, a downfall of ashes, a rain of ashes. Dropping. And they didn't have a lot of food, so they used to go out and try to collect firewood. Yeah. So his mother could make, um, his mother was an avid gardener, which he carried that genetic gene 
I didn't, but <laughs> he did. <laughs> and uh, so she used to uh, um, take the food from the garden and make um, whatever soup or food he, she could for the family. Food was scarce. Um, okay. Yeah. So you're, and your grandparents, so, so like your father's parents, so you said your grandmother was a gardener. Do you know yes. much about your grandfather, your father's father? My okay, he was a very, apparently he was very strict mm -hmm. and he was a, um, on my father's side, I'm not too sure. I think he was a carpenter from memory. Okay. Um, worked with, um, and actually that would actually match his, um, his um, my grandfather was a Capricorn. So, that <laughs> so Capricorns are, are earthy, usually very Doing, strict and yeah, usually good very... with wood and that kind of stuff. And so I think he was a carpenter actually. And so that will kind of, uh, that will actually kind of make sense. For those of you who don't know, I'm actually an astrologer. So I relate a lot of things in life with astrology. I'm glad you mentioned that. So because then people will be <laughs> yeah. thinking, oh, how, how would that work in line with yeah. it all? So, yeah. so that's happened. So how old was your father? So when he migrated to New Zealand, so he, he always, so he did migrate to New Zealand from, yeah. Yeah. from East Germany. Now, now that's a funny story. He was um, in his twenties, mm. and he had the he, he had the gypsy blood, being an Aquarian. Okay. Yes, I'll be referring to a little bit of astrology. So just fine. <laughs> Do it. Go for it. it. <laughs> so gypsy blood. So he travelled all around Germany, and then he was working. Um, he left school at a very early age because of circumstance. So he mm. didn't he didn't get. Um, university degrees or anything like that, but very street smart, very common sense kind of smart. Yeah. So that. he was traveling around just doing odd jobs. And then, and then he saw this sign that said free trip to either the USA, Canada, Australia, or New Zealand to come and work. And in those days they came out on the boat for six That's weeks. Right. So he thought about that and, and, and you know, the saying, um, you get nothing for nothing. Well, he actually got, got something nothing. for nothing. Oh, something for nothing. <laughs> so he decided, okay, well, he see, he decided he was going to do this because he wanted to get out of Germany and he wanted to explore and he had the gypsy blood. So he decided US, nah, didn't want to go there, too many people. Yeah. Canada, too cold. He figured Australia would be too hot. So he thought about New Zealand and he goes, New Zealand is in the middle of nowhere and not many people know about, about it. It's <laughs> nice and little and there won't be so many people and you can be left alone to do your thing without being involved in world dynamics yeah. too much. So he hopped on the boat and he came out. But in order to do that, he had to, um, what did he have to do? Something he had to do. Can't remember it now. Um, I think he had been sick or something. And, um, but he wasn't sick. But he got he got the doctor's letter to say that he was okay. Ah, uh, okay. And he had to, anyway, there was some story. I'm I'm getting a bit jumbled because I've got other things in my brain that I want to talk about with him. It's so funny. But anyway, so he came out, and um, he um, yeah, so he came out in his mid twenties, like twenty six or twenty seven or something like that. And oh. after he had been out for about a year or so, he um, rang his twin brother, and said, "New Zealand's fantastic. Hop on the boat and come out." So his twin brother came out and then my father bought a house and his twin bro brother bought the house right next door. 
As you would. <laughs> As you would. So they always lived. Uh, my father and his twin brother were um, the youngest of um, 10 or kids or something. Along, a lot of kids. Yeah, a lot of kids. And, and so they always did things together. So my, my, my uncle came out and, you know, we grew up with his family living right next door, right up until... How was um, that? How was that? Having... I know, I know, I know. Yeah, Crazy. <laughs> that would have been beautiful. So what happened from there? So um, did he... What lot of... Did he... What work did he actually find for himself while he was, while he was settling well, in New Zealand? My father was always very good with his hands. Yep. He could garden. He could cook. Yep. He could fish. He could, he painted, like he painted our, our whole house with them. Um, I don't know, I don't know what the technique is, but I can remember growing up him painting the house indoors and he would get a towel, like a normal towel for yeah. dishes or whatever, and he would pop it in the paint and he would squeeze it and then he would just roll this thing on the, on the wow, wall. Wow, what and a technique. Up with all these patterns. I mean, they do it now and they've got yeah. these special rollers, yeah. but in dad's day, he did it all by hand. So he was wow. very good with his hands. So he worked in, um, he worked as a welder, fitter and welder, <clears throat> um, in the same place until he retired. So he was a dedicated person, very loyal as well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And he provided for his family the best he could. And he just went up, he just got up every morning, went to work, did his duty, came yeah. home. Was, he typically did the provider thing. And yeah. When did he meet your mother? Okay. I have two of those. Well, I did have two of those. They're both passed. Okay. But my, my mother who gave birth to mm -hmm. me, he met her through local friends and they um, connected because he didn't speak English mm -hmm. and she spoke German and he or she was from <gasps> West Germany. Wow. <laughs> and so they kind of got together and they were together for a short period of time and then um, they divorced and my father remarried when I was four. Okay. He remarried um, a Polynesian woman from Samoa. Mm -hmm. So uh, here I am being born in New Zealand from European parents. But most of my life I was raised in a Polynesian culture. Wow. Yes. I can see that. So a lot of... Um, a lot of stuff, you know, like it, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the normal, if you know what I mean. And but anyway, he, he remarried and he had um, three more children after that. So I have younger two sisters and a brother to that marriage. And how, what happened to your uncle next door? Well, he married and he had five children yeah. and we, they, we all lived next door together. Yeah. We all, um, you know, used to play together and all that kind of thing. And then after he divorced, um, he divorced his wife um, some years later, many years later, um, <coughs> they sold the house and my uncle um, packed up and moved to Foxton, which is like Wagga Wagga. You okay, know, like, so he moved right out. Like <laughs> Yeah, so he went country. He went out to the country. It had all the facilities, yeah. but it was very um, quiet. And in my... Um, I love it. <laughs> In, in my older, older years, I lived in Australia for um, 35 years. I moved over when I was 20. And so 
I used to come back to New Zealand to visit my dad because by that time his wife had passed to second, second, second marriage. And I used to um, take my dad because he didn't drive. And I had just learnt in my 40s, <laughs> late, I know. And um, we used to go up to Foxton. And, and you we had these road trips with your dad. Going yes, your I uncle. had all these road trips with my dad. There was a lot of things that I did with my dad that the other kids didn't do because they were, they were there all the yeah. time. But I, had, I used to go up for, um, for road trips and take him up to meet his um, brother. And when I wasn't around, he would take the bus and the train because to Foxton, it would be about a three-hour drive or something. So it's a, nice, it's a nice drive. It's fairly it lengthy. Does, so he would catch the bus and train, and his uncle, his brother, would pick him up. And so they that, would spend... The, yeah. So they remained quite close. Their bond remained quite close. They did. And they did. How did that make you feel, knowing that your father and his twin brother had this bond? Were they similar at all? Well, it's funny you should say that. When my uncle was in the hospital towards the end of his days, he was, at a, he was in a home. I went to visit him. And the nurse says, oh, you must be here to see your dad. <laughs> but I wasn't. I said, oh, no, 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 I'm here to see my uncle. But Because it's funny, his kids, and probably especially me, maybe not so much my other um, siblings, because obviously they've got Samoan blood yeah. in them, um, exotic-looking women, I must, I must say. But um, we, we all kind of look like each other. Yeah. And it's funny how my dad and my uncle would always confuse everybody. But we always know, knew which one was which. Oh, wow. And when I was um, thinking about coming back to Australia, coming back to New Zealand, which was before the time that I did, I was thinking, well, you know, dad was in his, um, well, late 70s, early mm -hmm. 80s, something like that. He wasn't unwell, but he did have diabetes. And yeah. I just thought, oh, I'm yeah. going to come back and I'm going to look after my dad. You know, I was the nurse in the family and the healer. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I was going to come back and do all that. And that was in my plan. Well, how do you make God laugh? Let's do it. Come on. Tell us the tell story. Him, tell him your plans. Yes. Well, that would, hmm. that would actually rattle your cage. When you well, tell that was God my plan. I was already set to yep. go, practically leaving the country. Oh, not, so not only do I meet the man that I'm now, that I've been now been with for ten years, but my uncle had an accident and he got told by his doctors that he either has to move in the family or move into a home. Okay, he moved in with my dad, so there was no room for me to come home. Oh. And it was almost like, you know, like intervention happened. And it was like, no, no, you've got other things to do. Your dad will be cared for. Don't worry. Yeah. My dad and my uncle lived together for five years in their elder years. And because my dad was a little bit debilitated with his mm. walking, my uncle became his, like his oh, carer. Because my uncle had a car. Even though they were the same age, my yep. uncle looked after himself a lot better than my dad. Mm. So he was a bit healthier. And, um, you know, dad provided the home and my uncle provided okay. things like taking him to the doctor, doing the shopping. Um, you know, they shared the cooking. They both cooked um, the gardening. They both did the gardening. They were both advert gardeners. 
What so a beautiful so story, Christina. <laughs> so every time I went to visit my dad, you know, and I, I was thinking, well, I was planning on coming home here, but my uncle made it very clear that there was no room for no. me. The, <laughs> the boys wanted their own private time. That's it. So, um, for the, you know, so, so they had that for five years together, which I thought was really, really nice. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. That's really, really beautiful. So what happened then, like, with your father and, and your uncle? Like, they were they both passed? Yes. And how did that come about of their passing? Okay. Um, while my, my uncle and my dad were living at home in, um, in dad's house that he had had all those years, mm. like, he bought the house for $6,000. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I know. Anyway, um, while um, Horst and Hans, Horst is my uncle, mm -hmm. Hans is my dad. Yep. So um, dad was outside one day sitting in the chair and he went to get up to want to go to the toilet and he had a fall. Okay. And he fell face up in the sun. My uncle had gone and had a bit of a rest because he had a bit of a sore back. And he went to lie down for a few minutes that went into several minutes, half an hour, 20 minutes, whatever, an hour. When he came back, when he came outside to ask my dad if he wanted anything, he found him faced up in the sun and he had been burnt by the sun. It was on that particular day in December when it was a really, really hot day of 29 degrees. Anyway, the ambulance was called and he was taken to the hospital. And while he was in hospital, um, he basically had to learn to walk again. And there was a lot of fear attached to what had happened. My father kind of felt that my uncle had kind of let him down oh. because he wasn't there like when something had happened. But my uncle thought, you know, dad has got, was getting up on his walker and going yeah. to him from the house. Okay, no problem. And of course it was just one of those things that happened. And so, um, he um, was visiting dad in hospital, but the doctors made it clear that if the, he, my father couldn't become independent, he would have to go into a home or have someone look after him. So I decided, okay, I'm going to, um, you know, we discussed it with the family and my dad was, his confidence, even at that age, because of the accident, was really shaken. Yeah. And it took him a Poor long man. Yeah, he kind of kind of went into a depression and I could see it. And the only thing that could get him to talk or to laugh was when I put my partner on the phone. Because he absolutely loved yeah. Andre. Because Andre was always there, hands-on. They were, um, Dad and Andre would talk about how to pickle cucumbers and Dad oh, was lovely. teaching him how to cook. Not that Andre knew, how, not that he needed to know because he's a fantastic cook. But still, but he humoured him and engaged in conversation. They bonded. And, mm. they bonded. They bonded really, really well. And that was the only thing that would make him smile. So he was in hospital for a while. And then my father decided that he would go into a nursing home, a home. Not ideally what he wanted, but um, he decided that was what he wanted, wanted to do. And he said to the girls, he said to us, find me a home. I only ask one thing, and that it has good food. Oh. Because when you get to their age, you don't have a lot of pleasures left in life. No. 
but food was one of the pleasures that they mm-hmm. both shared, you know. So we found a place not far from where my two sisters lived, so it was very convenient. Mm-hmm. And um, he um, he stayed there, and he was he he lived there for about a year, eighteen months, I think it was, January to yeah, nearly eighteen months before he passed. And he loved it there. So he was happy. He was in his element. So he regained his confidence. He made friends. Yes, they all treated him well. And, you know, everybody loved him. And he made a joke with all the nurses. And he was getting getting a little bit of progressive dementia. And I I used to go down and see him on a regular basis. Because by that time, I had decided to move back to Wellington. Because I could see in my astrology chart that my father was going to pass within five years. And he died within the four-year bracket. So I made the decision to move back, and my partner came with me. So he um, he was getting a little bit of progressive dementia, as you do when you're in your 80s. And one day he said to me, he said, you know what, Christina? I can never remember the girls' names. So I call everybody. So I tell everybody that you're my number one. (laughs) Oh, isn't that sweet? And the nurses loved it because they believed that he was their number, their number one. one. <laughs> the truth was, he found a way to make everybody happy because it's just oh, How sweet and cheeky at the same time. And that was the kind yeah. of person he was. He yeah. had a very, um, he had a very, he, he had a philosophy. Being raised in the family I was yeah. raised, I was raised strict Catholic. I could say the rosary in two languages, went to all the church services um, and all the things associated with the Catholic church and the community, whether I liked it or not. My father was Lutheran and he didn't go to church, although he came to things like confirmation and all these kinds of things for all of us. But he honoured the fact that his wife was very religious and that was okay by him. But he just said, you know, that's not me. I can remember um, nor, um, the Mormons would knock on the door. Here we go. And he would open the door and he'd say, yeah, what can I do for you? And there's, oh, we're Mormons. And he'd go, oh, I'm Catholic. Oh, right, shut the door. Catholics are knocking on the door. So I'm Lutheran. Like, to him, to him, he used to say to me, I can't understand why there are so many churches when there is only one God. And yeah. he used to say, God can hear you anywhere. Yeah. You don't have to go to church. He, he, used to, he used to say, if I want to talk to God, I will go under the apple tree and say, how you going, mate? Yeah. And growing he up... Sense. He made sense. He did. He, so he my, father had, my father had a very strong spiritual bent yeah. to him, even though he wasn't aware that's what it was. And my stepmother had a very strong religious yeah. bent to her. So both on the opposites. Yeah. Scar, but then they met in the middle as well. And I was um, in the middle of all that. And so as I grew up, I I still regard myself as a Catholic and a Christian, but I've I've developed my own spiritual practice, which works for me. And I believe that God is universal and God is everywhere. And you can go and sit under the apple tree if you want to talk to God. I think that's beautiful. So, And I got that from my dad. I love that. I love so your father passed. Yes. How long? So four years afterwards, so he passed away. And how did you how did you how did you personally 
begin to feel like without your father, like the reality that he wasn't there no more or you weren't, you know, you didn't physically go and visit him or see him? How did you feel? The first thing was, um, as I said earlier, astrologically, I knew he was going to pass within five years and he passed at the four-year mark. Yep. So I moved home, settled down, bought a house. Um, Andre has a business. So we, yep. we settled here and I used to make a lot of trips. Dad lived four hours away. So almost every month I was going backwards and forwards to Wellington for work and I would stay for a period of time yep. and stay with my dad, etc. cetera. Um, he passed quickly. I got a call one day, dad's in hospital. And what had happened was, um, it was a bit of, it was a bit of the COVID, like he got swine flu, influenza. And they hadn't given them their flu inoculations for the year. And um, he got sick very quickly. I can remember Easter, I Skyped to dad from my sister's place and I took him around the house and showed him the garden and everything. And he was very excited. And so that was Easter and um, my father passed in the May and it was very quick. And, and my it, father. And that, I was going to, so, so quickly, what, in hospital, did he pass in hospital as well? He was in hospital and he was tested and it came back with, um, with um, N1H1, which I think was the swine flu. Neither my sister and I were, um, had our flu shots. Mm. It didn't bother me so much because I had, was still a nurse then. And um, I had been around hospital acquired bugs and I had developed hospital resistant immunity, if you know what I mean. Yes. So, you know, I'd been around all sorts of staph aureus, H1N1. A lot. uh, (laughs) Pseudomonas, like the works. And I never got sick. So I wasn't too worried, but I went and had had, had an injection and so did my sister. You know, he was in hospital for a few days, not eating very much and all the rest of it. And he kind of said, look, I want to go back to the nursing home. I want to Mm -hmm. go back to my bed. So he did. And he came back and the whole family were there 24-7. We took turns looking after him at night. And um, the nurses came in and, you know, he just wanted to be in his own bed. And he started, you know how when you're, you you know how you, um, between the veils, of consciousness yes. before yes. you die. Well, he started talking to his mum. Okay, so he was so obviously his going mother through the was, veil. Yeah, he was. His mother was coming through, yeah. and he was oh. sort of semi-conscious. And you know, we were there, sort of experiencing all that. And my sister was the one actually who told me about it. And I just thought to myself, oh, that was really, really nice. Yeah. You know, so his mum was obviously there to to wait for him because he was very, very close to his mother. And even and, though he wasn't around when she died. I remember the day he got the letter saying that she had passed. I had never ever seen my father cry. Yeah. And he, I was about 10 and um, he just broke down in tears. I never asked him why, but I, I worked it out later. It was because he found out his mother died. Something so he happens. died in the home. Yeah, something happened to the loss of a mother. And like you said, he actually called yeah. for her, called out for her during that yeah. time. It's that irony of birth death and death birth and I say that with great respect because that would have been even quite painful for you to even acknowledge that he was calling out for his mum and he was actually talking to his mum during that time it wasn't such a wasn't such a thing for me because of my spiritual belief and I was really happy that there was someone there for him because 
the process of dying for some people can be very fearful and very traumatic. Yeah. And as a nurse for 35 years working in intensive care, mm. I came across this a lot. People that would be at the end of their lifespan, either they were chain stoking, which is the yeah. last kind of breathing you get, or they were kind of comatose and not ready to really ready to let um, go. And I used to go in and hold their hand and give them permission to leave. Yeah. And they would leave. They would leave. I used to say to them, it's okay to pass. It's all good. There'll be someone there waiting for you. Hold, hold their hand. And I remember I came to work one day working with a colleague of mine who was in charge and he said, oh, do you want to take Mr. So-and-so? He's still ch yeah. still chain smoking. Days later, I yeah. said, oh, don't worry. I said, I'll take him. And I had just come from my aromatherapy class. So I had um, aromatherapy oil on me. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, you meant to go in and turn your patients every two hours. And I just thought to myself, this poor man is in pain. He, yeah. you know, he had pain relief and everything. He had it on a continuous pump. But it was like, no, I'm just going to leave him for leave him for a while. So in the end, I rubbed his feet, put some rose oil under his nose, held his hand, and I just told him it was okay for him to go. Came out, I did my rounds, went back twenty minutes later, and he was gone. Poor man. And so he, he was struggling to let go. Yep. And my colleague said to me, "Gee, you were quick." Oh. <laughs> and I said, "Oh, I don't knock around." <laughs> we were joking. We, we yeah. were both. We both, um, I used to enjoy working with, with, with this particular nurse because John had a very similar philosophy to mine. So we would share um, stories about yeah. things that you couldn't really talk about with other members of staff. So it was well, always really good. You, you had a, a special bond with, with your colleague. And also, in a way, it's, it, it has helped you dealing with your father's passing as well. So how yes. did you deal with it? After the day, following. When dad passed, he had aromatherapy burning. He had German music playing. He had someone with him always. Oh. It wasn't me. It was my sister. It wasn't my sister. It was yeah. my other sister. So he had, um, he, was, he, was, he wasn't alone for any of it. Um, well, once he passed, then um, we, he had already made his arrangements. So that was all fine. The day of the funeral was probably the worst because mm. I had pain, literal pain from head to toe. And um, so that was probably the worst of it. And then, you know, you had your process where you had your funeral and everything yeah. and you know, everything after that. And then the process after that, I've studied death and dying and I've done talks on death and mm. dying and the grief process. So I understand, you know, well, for me, being a Scorpio, death is no big deal, if you know what I mean. We kind of delve into all the places that most people don't want to go. And we do, we do it happily because that's our thing. So what I decided to do, I knew I was in a bit of a mess. I went to see my doctor at the time and he said, oh, you know, you're not looking your best. And I said, oh, you know, my dad just yeah. died and I was quite close to dad. We did have a... Um, we had several years there for about 10 years where I didn't talk to my dad because, you know, he threw me out at 17 and listened to his wife about something which she told him that I did, which I hadn't done. And a lot, of a lot of mis miscommunication. I was a yeah. teenager and I was happy to go, but I thought to myself, you've kicked me out, so I'm never coming home yeah. and all the rest of it. But in my thirties, I realized 
in order for me to have a successful relationship with a man, I need to have a successful, happy relationship with my father. That's right. So that was when I, when I had that insight, I decided to do the healing between my dad and myself, mm. which I did. And, you know, and ever, and ever since then, um, everything was fantastic. So um, I decided that I was going to allow myself, give myself permission to feel whatever I wanted to feel. I wasn't going to be regulated by what people thought. I wasn't going to be regulated by people telling me, oh, it's okay. It will pass. Nice. It, you know, you know we're, 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 um, my partner was, um, had an invite to a party of good friends of ours. I said to him, no, you go. He said, oh, I don't want to leave you alone. I said, honey, I need to be alone right now. I was in a salon one day and I broke down in tears while I was in the salon. And I just said, look, I'm just grieving. And I, and I just turned around and I just said to the person, I said, look, I'm just, my father died. I'm just grieving. That's all it is. And that's a beautiful thing that you actually were able to say that as well. And you actually able to acknowledge that with others because not many yeah. will be able to do that. So I, I, I kind of made it clear that, you know, this is what I need right now. And I've said to people, you know, I'm happy to catch up with everyone, but I can't do it yet. And when I'm ready, I will reach out. Yeah. My partner was a rock. He was amazing. He allowed me the space, which I'm grateful for. He allowed me to have whatever emotion I wanted to feel. Um, when I went back to the doctors um, a few months later, uh, no, it was about a year later, and uh, he said to me, "Oh, it's, I, I'm, I'm noticing it's the anniversary of your dad's yeah. death a year later. How are you doing?" I said, "Oh, I, I said to him, oh, I'm good. I said, um, Dad's passing anniversary is on this such a day, and I've decided I'm doing a celebration to Dad Day. So every year on his passing." I do a German day, German, Beautiful. German potato salad, but he was famous for yeah. being a snitchel, Jägermeister. <laughs> you got to have the schnapps. Oh, you. Um, so I, do, I do a German day every year. And I have done this every year since he's passed. He passed in 2017. See, and that's a beautiful celebration. That's a way you're actually upholding the memory of your, yeah. of your father. Now, does the family get involved when, no, when no, you do that? It's, it's just, just your... your it's just thing. something I. It's just something I do. There were a lot of traditions my father and I had. Just yeah. us, every year on the Melbourne Cup, didn't matter where I was in the world, yeah. and I travelled extensively. I would always call him, Dad, Melbourne Cup. What do you like? You know, and you know, and he wasn't a big betting man, yeah. and nor am I. But it's the one thing that we would do every year. It was that bonding time. Was your time with your dad? Now, I. I know that you're an author and you, you're yes. and you're quite hang on to say you're an expert in your field. Now you have something that's actually dedicated to your father. Yes, I'd love for I've others written, to know that. I've written a little book called My Father's Philosophy. And how did this come about? I was lying on the couch six months after he passed. Was it six months? I think so. And I was just lying there at 5 a.m. in the morning, restless, not being able to sleep. So I just got up. And sometimes when you move around the house to a different part of the house, you can settle. And I just got this lightning bolt. Oh, 
why don't I do a book about my dad? And then I thought, oh, what am I going to do about my dad? And then I decided, dad used to say all these quirky little quotes. And when I asked members of the family if he could remember any of them, they couldn't remember any of them. So I sat down and I said, dad, I need you to help me out here. I need to remember some of your quotes. So all you do is you just open the page to whatever is relevant for the date. Now, the little bit is a little, little bit about him and how he came to New Zealand and all the rest of it, which we talked about. And, you know, you just open it up and you just go, oh, well, this is one of the things he used to say. Do not appear to be a good person. Be a good person. And I've, 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 this one I've gotten twice today already. Achieve something worth leaving behind. He was full of wisdom, wasn't he? So he certainly he has left that behind for you, all these wonderful messages. And so, you know, and so I just um, flick, you know, and it's funny, the men that, the older men, like, you know, of my dad's, not necessarily even my dad's era, like, you know, men of 50 plus, yep. some of the men that have got this book that, are, that I've either given it to or they've bought the book for, from me, they've really been able to resonate. Because these are not my words. They are coming Your from father's words. male and a father. Yeah. You know? And I think in here he's, have no regrets. You will pass on easier. Uh, that just warms me just for you to share these deep it's words. That's the kind of things he used to say. You know? Like he used to say things like, if someone comes to your house, feed them. Feed them. Hungry, That's right. Feed them. Feed them. Um, your book. Now, I'll, if you could send me a link, or, or or if I write a link to your, if I share a link to your page and your website, that, it can yes. be that can be. I can get that to you later yeah. on after the podcast today. Yeah, that's beautiful, Christina. This was such a wonderful moment that we've just shared, and you opening up with us all and. Your father was, I'm going to say, what an extraordinary man with a, with an, Can another, you see him? He's just in the background. Yeah, there, there he is in the background with an extraordinary story, a life story. And the fact that he's passed on all these wonderful gifts and memories to you and the whole family. And you've, and you've actually compacted little, I'm going to say, his, his wisdom into a collection. And it's just something, my father beautiful. was... My father was a very giving person and because he was quite portly, the Buddha is actually quite, um, is quite apt because he, people used to call him Buddha because he was, he had this wisdom and he looked like Buddha. So <laughs> White Light Publishing managed to find me a Buddha for my books. So I was quite happy. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. I will actually share the link to, to where everyone could actually reach you and yep. continue the connection with you. Because Christina offers so many wonderful services as well. And she is an, an author to a few books and hopefully a few more coming up. Meanwhile, well, I'm doing a couple of things. I mean, as you know, you've read this one. I have read that book. one. You've read that one. Oh, yes. Yeah. I refer to that. It's quite a, it's very knowledgeable. And you've got your new one out as well. This one is your astrological health. And this one is looking, because I primarily work as a medical astrologer mm -hmm. and my background in Ayurveda, esoteric medicine and nursing and herbalism works really, really well. Yep. Looking at a second, this um, Learn Yourself Heal is my first holistic book. 
and this is the second one based primarily on astrology but i incorporate everything connected to the yeah. signs so i know you're a virgo um rosa but you're not just a virgo no you are your chart of 10 planets and 12 houses. And so I kind of guide you through what to look at. And if you don't know, then there's a free offer in here. You email me for a free chart and a free guide and I show you, you know, and you, you get that for free. So there you go. Get yourself um, a copy oh, of, of your astrological health and you can actually get a free chart as well. And it's on pre-sale. It's on pre-sale. Okay, so if you go to Christina's page, all the details will be there. Meanwhile, Christina, I'm going to have to say a great big thank you to you and thank you to your father for having the life that he he had and still has because he's clearly present still in, in your life and, in, and also in this moment is present in our lives as well. So in sharing his life story and honouring him, not only this, this Father's Day but for eternity because words do make a difference and for everyone else who's watching i thank you all for watching and also if you have a story of hope that you would like to share that you feel others can actually will get so much out of it i certainly would love to hear from you meanwhile thank you christina thank you for joining us here and, and thank you rosa for giving me an opportunity to celebrate my father on father's day it's an even absolute pleasure. <laughs> everyone else is watching never ever give up on hope and thank you for joining us all here at hope talk bye now